to a new episode of the brand called You. Today I have an absolutely incredible millennial, a young man who has achieved so much in life so early in life. Uday Lakkar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Uday, as he mentioned to me before the show, he just happened to go, you know, be a chartered accountant, happened to be a company secretary, he happened to go to IIM Ahmedabad for his MBA. I mean, you know, I'm amazed at how much you have achieved in so short a period of time. Then they worked for McKinsey, Morgan Stanley, EXL, Network 18, and now he's the founder and CEO of Coho, which is a co-living startup. So Uday, tell me a little bit about your early life and uh, how you just kept on getting whatever you wanted educationally. Sure. Uh, I think fairly, fairly simple. Uh, coming from a typical uh, middle class background, uh, grew up in Calcutta um, in a good blend of uh, a social structure which has a mix of uh, uh, Different, different segments of society, right? Uh, uh, from an intellectual uh, Bengali society to a uh, more um, business-centric Marwadi society. And, and coming from that, uh, that blend of um, societal uh, backdrop, um, it, it was fairly easy to um, get into a groove of business-like education, uh, right? So, so that's how um, this is the initial uh, educational uh, or vocational courses of uh, chart accountancy or company secretaryship happened, right? Um, and then for the natural progression of education, uh, and, and, and to be very, very honest to you, uh, not everything is as uh, well thought out as people bring it out to be, right? So quite often it's about uh, being in the moment, uh, getting, a, getting a feel that, okay, this can add value to your uh, portfolio of skills and, and, and getting along with that. So I think uh, it was fairly okay. simple around that. Okay. And then after chartered accountancy, company secretary, you went to the top institute, which is IIM Ahmedabad, right? And then what made you decide to become a professional manager for a small period of time before you became an entrepreneur? Uh, I think it's the other way around. Uh, becoming a professional uh, manager was more uh, by default, right? Yeah. Given the education structure in India, like uh, most of us do, to be very frank with you, right? Entrepreneurship was more of serendipity, right? Uh, than, um, uh, than the job part of it, right? My first passion is teaching. I have always enjoyed teaching, always enjoyed writing, especially humor. Mm. Um, so that's the first passion, but uh, not always it pays as yeah. much, right? Yeah. So when you are in the rut of um, building a career in the initial stages, so so that's when you uh, you gain skills by being part of larger setups. Mm. Um, so one of the things that worked very well in my favor was uh, I got fairly limited needs. Um, you'll be surprised uh, that uh, my actual expenditure per month has actually gone down in the last 10 years, Incredible. right? So that allows you that degree of freedom or that elbow room to be able to try out things that you want to. So entrepreneurship is one such thing wherein um, uh, if you are not a spendthrift, it just helps, to be very honest to you. So, but before I come into your entrepreneurship journey with Coho, uh, talk to me about your professional journey with McKinsey, Morgan Stanley, EXL, Network 18. It is slightly funny. Um, almost all the jobs that I landed up uh, had no clue which is companies where. I can share some uh, humorous anecdotes yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, For example, when I was interviewing with McKinsey, uh, to be very honest to you, before I uh, entered the interview, I didn't know uh, what McKinsey is all about. Whether McKinsey is a consulting company or it's, it's a food company, I had no clue. I was that dumb, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, media networking, I never had any clue that, okay, I wanted to get into media. It was serendipity again, because of the location that I was in, right? And uh, similarly, several other things that happened. Uh, when I when I entered McKinsey, I remember uh, telling my manager that it's the worst possible company I've entered and I want to go back to my hometown and I want to do teaching and whatnot, right? 
so slightly more of a cribbing young man um, uh, the way it happens right uh, whatever you get easily sometimes you end up uh, not appreciating it as much but i think uh, in hindsight uh, if i look at uh, the first 8 10 years of my professional journey uh, i look at it uh, reasonably fondly now of having learned um, some basic thing that helped me in organization building today right whether it is um, uh, being able to uh, put together a thoughts clearly whether it's in terms of being able to coordinate with a set of people from diverse backgrounds diverse uh, cultural and educational backgrounds mm-hmm. being able to wade your way through um to the maze sometimes right being able to put down your individual idiosyncrasies and putting a common goal maybe slightly higher than yourself right all those kind of attributes beyond the skills of course right is is what my learning was in the first phase of my professional journey yeah. very interesting so let's come to coho sure i mean you know you have embarked upon a very fascinating project uh, everyone is or till recently everyone was talking about co-working sure you went into co-living right tell me a little bit about the logic mm-hmm. for co-living and right. why you founded coho sure uh fairly intuitive actually uh i am not somebody who i am more spontaneous than than somebody who plans very very well right um despite the background which is more structured in nature uh so essentially um having grown up in india having hopped across multiple cities uh, uh, for jobs or for education whatever reason um the second most important thing that always hits you after your primary job application or your uh, academic institution that you get into is is where to put up right a uh, place to stay as as a first hand experience you you end up feeling uh, that there aren't too many good places irrespective of uh, what you are willing to shell out of your pocket right um the intermediation that happens via brokers is, is a painful process Correct. right uh, and the fact that uh, the movement is uh, very very fungible nowadays people hopping around jobs changing it is much faster than say what my dad used to do right so um so in that context uh, i think the need to set up a home um and just uh, recreate that again after 6 months after a year after two years it's a fairly painful process right so whether it was discrimination whether it was uh, brokers whether it was uh, Uh, the need to shift around places whether it was the um, i don't know host of things that when people um, most youngsters right i'm 35 now uh, if i if i talk to somebody who's 25 year old in general um, people value the leisure much more yeah. and that's true for probably any every society right as and when you become uh, more and more prosperous you start valuing your leisure your convenience more mm. and you say that okay i'll i'll substitute some dollar value um, with with convenience yeah. right yeah. so uh, so i think that's what i saw happening and if you look at different uh, spheres of life uh, we have all moved towards branded consumption right i could not have imagined ki um, i'll be using a bisleri water bottle or instead of an ointment today we had move or so on and so forth in every sphere of life right take food you have zomato and uh, sugi and what not right you have uber and ola for commute you have uh, uh, financial payments happening online entertainment happening uh, via netflix and the amazon prime of the world right so virtually every part of the consumption that this young audience uh, is, is having in different spheres of life is branded in nature it's via digital medium uh it's 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 quality centric people are willing to shell out a bit extra if, uh, if they see value in that so this is the genesis of um, uh why a product like this in this sphere so so when i saw long stay accommodation i'm not talking about hotel segment i'm talking about uh, a segment where people are staying for 6 months a year two years three years either while they're students or while they're talking <coughs> jobs mostly singles in their uh, in their early 20s late 20s that kind of an age bracket so they don't have too many brands that come to their head mm. right so having gone through that uh, first hand in my 20s it felt like a very intuitive thing mm. right so from there on um, 
just just uh, when we started, we never used to call it co-living also. It was simply long-stay branded accommodation. Okay. Now morphed into co-living. So for a young person who is a potential client, what can he or she expect from one of your uh, residential spaces? Uh, in in brief, hassle-free living, okay. right? Uh, whatever it entails, right? Uh, you come with your bag, you stay as long as you want, mm-hmm. right? So essentially. Uh, you can visualize a, a large building, right, where 200 odd people, 300 odd people, 100 odd people are staying together. Imagine a very nice um, lounge kind of an area which has recreational amenities like, say, a PlayStation, pool table, healthcare amenities like a gym, self-help kitchen, laundromat, um, whatever you can imagine, reading arena, games arena, etc. Then you can imagine rooms which are shared rooms or individual rooms, uh, fully furnished with beds, mattresses, mm. attached washrooms, mm. shelves, wardrobes, whatever you require. All the services that you require on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, that typical millennial requires housekeeping, repairs, maintenance, food, whatever you can think of, right? All those things are baked together. And it speaks the language that a millennial likes to speak in, which is via an app, via technology. Everything is taken care of, right? So that's the product offering okay. at, at the core. Then you augment that with a much more experiential living concept of having community engagements. Mm-hmm. So so instead of one person just uh, going back to the home as a uh, looking at it as a crash pad, the idea is that you create memories, right? When I look at my 20s, uh, reflect back on that, I don't remember the building in which I stayed, but I definitely remember um, the people with whom I stayed, mm-hmm. what are the kind of experience yeah. that I had, right? Yeah. Good or bad, whatever they might have been. Yes. The idea is to create memories for you, Correct. a place which you can call a very good proxy for a home. Mm-hmm. That's the intent. Very interesting. And uh, when you uh, get someone who applies to you, do you do uh, some kind of a, a check on them? Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, so, so essentially some checks are more, um, um, let me say, regulatory nature, for example, the KYC, uh, police verification, etc. Just like in case of any residential uh, space that you are taking up. And some are more uh, self-selection bias. For example, if somebody is actually taking up a place in, say, North Delhi, in the campus area, it will be a more of a student kind of a building, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody is staying near Cyber City here in Gurugaon, it will be more of a young professional. If somebody is staying near, say, Sunarod in Gurugaon or, say, Electronic City in Bangalore, it might be more of, say, IT employee who is staying there, right? So there's self-selection bias also when people get along pretty well okay. and, and they find uh, like-minded people. Very interesting. So, you know, when you and I were talking a few weeks ago, uh, you mentioned to me, which struck me, and I said, I must ask you this question. You said that you understand the millennial mindset, which is what is making we try Coho, to, right? yeah, <laughs> and, and which is what is making Coho sure. so attractive to millennials. Sure. Uh, you have spoken a little bit about what a millennial wants, but sure. Explain to me, what is a millennial mindset? Um, so so uh, let me say, uh, what? who is a millennial? I don't even know that, right? Okay. As per every definition, a millennial keeps changing, yeah. right? So um, I was last checking that people who are born 84 or later are millennials. So I found that definition which is convenient to me because I'm born in 84, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So so I don't know um, whom to call a millennial. Let's call them youngsters for, for ease of yeah. um, definition out here, right? So, so um, I, I think I would love to hear your thoughts also out here, not just mine. Uh, so essentially, what I've seen uh, happening around me, mm-hmm. um, in general, whether it's your cousins, your yeah. friends, yeah. Uh, your team members, everybody around yeah. you, right? I think there have been some fundamental shifts in the way people think. For instance, uh, today, asset ownership as a concept has become less important. I should not use the word redundant, but at least less important mm-hmm. in the minds of millennials. Right, just to take the example of a car itself. Very, very simple example. People are very comfortable using an Uber or an Ola or a shared cab, uh, cab, right, across the globe. Correct. 
instead of owning that asset mm-hmm. and having a driver and everything, right? So this is one, right? Similarly for homes, similarly for every every aspect of living, right? So non-asset ownership uh, is, is is a theme, right? Uh, sort of rental economy, shared economy is, is kind of a part of the millennial mindset. Second thing that, that comes to mind very, very instinctively is now versus future, right? Very intuitive, right? I'm sure that uh, you come across several people in your family, including your yeah. children and anybody for that matter, right? And I see that in myself also that the notion of provident fund, the notion of savings for the future is slightly less important as compared to what I'm having today, correct? Right? Today's coffee, today's uh, vacation, today's uh, career, what is happening today right now in front of me where I'm staying is far more important than what might happen to me two decades correct. later. Correct. In general as a notion, right? Yeah. So so I think uh, that is that is fairly important in a, in a millennial's mindset, right? Third is functionality versus experiential living mm. or experiential tone in general in anything right so whether it's food payments everything right uh, I, I mean uh, i am sure you would agree that the overall experience in which you consume things has increased significantly Absolutely. right all across us right so i, I feel very um, um intrigued when my dad actually books an uber or uh, has uh, uh, orders grocery via big basket and all right and and i ask him that okay uh, why why are you shifting to that right he says uh, of course I, uh, it's a price but more important it's very convenient i am yeah. doing this and i could not have imagined that five years back so, so not just millennials, but even people across different age segments and all, right, mm-hmm. are more and more focused on experiential way of doing things, right? Whether it's a hotel, food, or anything for that matter, than just a, a bare bone functionality that is given. So I think when I look at a millennial, I think of now, I think of experiential consumption, I think of shared economy, than ownership. That's the millennial mindset. Very vocal, right? Somebody who doesn't want to be subdued, doesn't want to... Um, be pushed around, shoved around, but somebody who is expressive. Correct. That's the millennial that uh, mindset that comes to my mind, and any product offering that is there um, tries sure, to right. tries to focus on that mindset. Probably. That's very very well said. I think that's one of the better definitions of millennial I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Thank you. So one last question for you on Coho before I move to the next segment. Sure. You know, you said that uh, Coho is about singles. Yeah. Do you see this evolving into a new type of living? where young couples um, can start, uh, you know, today I've got one room, tomorrow I may want three rooms. Sure, you know, when sure. the family expands. And do you think that uh, that will evolve? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, that that's already there across different parts of the globe, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's called this DINK category, double income, no kids category. Yeah. I'm one of those, right? So I've been married for quite some time. We don't have kids. And uh, I would love to have a coho like that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if somebody were to create that or we were to create that, I, I would be a good consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are focused on our careers, we are doing our stuff uh, and, and we want the hassles to be taken care of. I rue the fact that there is no coho for me like that right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I see that as a very, very natural extension of our product portfolio. I guess um, after kids are born, then probably there is a different use case or different need case for the for the physical space, right? Mm-hmm. But up to that limit, it's a very, very natural extension. That's from, very, very yeah. interesting because I mean, a millennial couple, for example, <clears throat> they just want very minimalistic living. True. Uh, because everything is available to them uh, based on their app or true. based on a phone call. True, true, true. true. Okay, interesting. So then let's move to the next part. I mean, you know, you, you're a startup entrepreneur. Thousands of people listen to us and will listen to you, um, you know, when, when they hear the podcast or the audio cast. Um, a few questions for startups and entrepreneurs. Sure. I've heard multiple views on whether an individual should found a company go and go solo mm. or should a person have a co-founder? What are your thoughts? 
Uh, you're you're single. Sure. Uh, I I guess uh, there's a saying in Hindi, uh, if I may actually, yeah, yeah, right? Of course, of course. Um, it says, "Akela chana bhar nahi for sakta." It means that uh, you alone can't achieve everything, whether as a nation, whether as a as a part of a social setup or as a part of an organization, right? You always need people, uh, whether you call them as co-founders, partners in whatever capacity, right? I've been fortunate enough uh, at different walks in life, uh, right? Whether it is uh, uh, in, in the educational sphere, I used to call them mentors. Now uh, in family, you you call them a spouse or, or somebody else, right? A big brother, somebody you come across, right? And uh, in, in an organizational context, you call them a co-founder, you call them team members, right? Uh, you get, uh, what, what you actually want is somebody who holds your hand, who is a companion, right? And 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 it's it's more glamorized in the startup context where you call uh, use words like uh, entrepreneur, uh, startup, venture. I simply call it as an organization or a business, mm-hmm. wherein there are set of people who are trying to um, uh, trying to achieve a, a thought, uh, for lack of a better word, say vision, right? A thought, an idea, a vision, mm-hmm. uh, in a manner which is um, financially viable, mm-hmm. so that it, it makes sense for everybody. It's as right. simple as that, right? And in that journey, you definitely need people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, we can call it co-founder, we can call it otherwise for that matter, in different capacity, right? For example, I would call that my company has got, say, uh, say five co-founders, six co-founders, why not? Everybody's there. So there are so many people who, who were there or who have been there prior to the inception of the company. So they are all co-founders, right? Okay. They have as much skin in the game, uh, not just monetarily, but in terms of investment, they feel as bad or as good. Uh, so they are all part of the journey. Wonderful. So one more question on startups. And then I'll move to the third segment, which is your interests, because you've got such amazing interests. Um, based on your experience, what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup founders make? Um, contrary thought here, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people say uh, fail fast. Mm-hmm. I have a contrary thought, uh, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, it might take a bit of time, it might uh, be a bit of a financial hit, so what? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are doing it, um, then do it well, mm-hmm. do it with all uh, all your passion, right? Mm-hmm. So so don't give up, right? Uh, so uh, we have had our own ups and downs. I've been at it for five years now. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, uh, more than uh, a momentary pleasure of success, um, I guess uh, you have to enjoy the remaining uh, larger chunk of the journey itself, right? So I think um, if, if you do the do that part right in terms of enjoying the process of creation, I think that's the fun, okay. right? So, so don't give up. Okay. I think that's the only thing. Otherwise, uh, all other advices for startups are more, um, I would say, uh, more more practical in nature, right? That, okay, raise capital when you don't need or um, have people, organizational structures and all that. I think all that is good and there's enough practical advice available all through, mm. right? I guess uh, my learning has been this, that uh, don't give up, don't create a, a, a vacuum in your life, okay. right? Okay. Just enjoy the journey. Well said, well said. So, you know, Tell me a little bit about some of your interests. I mean, you did mention that you you write, right? And uh, you know, you write funny things and so on. But tell me a little uh, bit about. In my mind, they are funny. Okay. Right? Yeah. I don't know what the readers right? So uh, in Hindi, we call it hasya, right? Humor. Mm-hmm. So um, so initially, I used to write um, uh, when I, when I was a younger person in my late teens and all. I used to write stuff which was far more serious. Um, I never got any audience, mm-hmm. to be frank to you, right? It, it always went to okay, one or two people read. I had to force it down their throat. So I realized that um, there's enough uh, so-called gyan which is floating around uh, everywhere, right? And people don't want that. Yeah. People want um, communication or ideas or thoughts or stories in a much more palatable format, right? 
and uh, humor or wit is, is, is a far easier way of uh, putting your thoughts across, right? So, so writing anything in humor, um, and I love Hindi as a language, right? We discussed that. So, uh, so I try to use Hindi as a language and not just English uh, while writing and, um, and putting it across, right? I have my own set of audiences. I try to keep coaxing them that please uh, hear me out, right? Do you want to recite something for, for our audience? <laughs> no, I'm not into poetry. I'm more into prose. For okay. example, one of the topics I wrote, so I'm very uh, fond of a food item called puchka. Okay, it's uh, in Calcutta. Yeah. It's Golga Pen in the north out here. So my first article that I wrote, um, it came out of pain. My grandmother died when I was 11. That day, after uh, coming back from the cremation ground um, at night, I wrote the, my first humor um, uh, prose, right? That was called uh, ki Kahani Usi ki Muzabani, Autobiography of a Puchka, right? And thereafter, uh, several other interesting okay. ones came okay. around. Uh, say, for example, youngsters, uh, uh, young fellows are very um, passionate about the moustache coming, right? My moustache was not growing. I was 16, 17. So I wrote an article said, saying um, on moustache and so on and so forth right very nice so just connecting with people okay so, yeah okay so, my second question to you about your interests and philosophies you know is is you know when i was reading about you you've quoted from the tv serial suits yeah and that says uh, and your quote was you always have a choice right how do you apply this to your work and in your life it's, it's tough to be honest um, of course, we are influenced by the media that we consume. So I love this TV series, uh, Suits, right? So I have several of these posters. So do I. So you also, mm-hmm. great, awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this character, Harvey Specter, is, uh, is a bit of a mixed character, right? Um, grayish areas of morality, yeah. yet very smart, mm-hmm. yet uh, uh, very ethical in his own way, very highly focused on loyalty. And one of the statements that he keeps saying is that you always have a choice, right? Um, so, so I think uh, it, it appeals to you a lot. Uh, see, it aligns with my larger philosophy of not giving up. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think, um, and and if you say that to yourself, you always have a choice. You always end up finding some way, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's organizational context of uh, going through financial troubles sometime, or actually some other kind of troubles, organizational troubles, competition, whatnot, mm-hmm. or personal lives in some way or the other, right? So, so, so when you when you say yourself, you always have a choice. You just uh, uh, close another door, which is failure, right? So I think um, I think it's a mindset thing. Okay. Right, okay. more than actually saying that okay, this is the exact choice. Mm. Right, it just says that okay, uh, you have to survive. Very interesting. Well said. So, well, there are a few questions now for you personally. You know, you did mention that you had mentors. Yeah. My question to you is that: uh, Have there been any people who have influenced your life? Mm. And if yes, what kind of impact have they had on you? Uh, varied. Um, I never had the notion of a single mentor. Okay. Right. Um, in Indian, um, you might say, I should not use the word mythology, but in Indian teachings in general, there's a concept of guru, mm-hmm. right? I do believe in the notion of guru, somebody who can teach you, somebody who can mentor you, guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, over a period of time, I have realized uh, by my own introspection also that uh, we are all full of fallacies, right? However, we all have some something special also which uh, which can inspire others, which we can learn from each other, right? So, so my mentors or inspirational, uh, my Pockets of inspiration have been varied, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could have been, say, some English teacher back uh, sometime uh, in, in my school days and all. Somebody who taught me uh, the importance of um, just uh, being there, right? Uh, holding your own, holding your chest up, chin up, being there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some people might have taught me uh, about um, the importance of integrity, right? Uh, some people, my mom has been a great inspiration in terms of uh, just, just hanging in there, right? More than anything else, mm-hmm. right? Then in the business context, several uh, several people over a period of time from whom I have learned different aspects, right? Uh, 
some about business, some about uh, team building, some about different kind of things, right? So I don't have a single mentor, okay. but definitely I, I pick up uh, learnings or inspirations from people whom I have met and whom I have not met. Mm. A lot of people are inspiration uh, just by viewing them. Mm. Saurav Gangli has been a great inspiration. I grew up in Calcutta, right? Mm. So I always liked Dada out there. So for whatever he was, uh, mm. is there, right? But yeah, uh, he had a bit of a shakedown that he created in his own days yeah, out there. Yeah. So, so different kind of inspiration right. for different attributes. Right. That's my formula. So my next question is, uh, you're 35 years old, Yeah, you've seen so much already and I'm sure it's going to have amazing success for you ahead. What would be three words that define you? Okay, your question is very pointed, mm -hmm. three words. Um, I, I have just two actually, I don't okay. even have yeah, three. Two is good. Right? <laughs> so, uh, one is perseverance, for sure. Right? I think it aligns with the overall philosophy, just don't give up. Keep surviving, keep surviving, mm. keep living, keep surviving, mm. keep breathing, right? In any context, personal, professional, yeah. business, education, life, right? It aligns with an oral philosophy. Secondly, uh, trust or loyalty, integrity, whatever you call it, right? I think uh, I value that uh, lopsidedly high in my life, right? Um, I'm a, if I can use the word, I'm a sucker for loyalty, mm. right? Wherever I smell that, wherever I see that, uh, I definitely um, value that very, very highly in life, right? So these are two things that... Uh, I adhere by and I and I value very highly in life. Rest all our skills, okay. rest all our other peripherals. But my question to you on loyalty is that do you give as much loyalty as you expect to receive? Uh, it is a prerequisite. Okay. So you would also be loyal to? I have to be more. I have to first uh, give it, then okay. expect it back. Okay. Well said. So my last question to you, you know, and this is a question on failure um, or mistakes. Um, in India or Asians don't teach children mm. that it is okay to fail. Very true. We keep talking about class mein first ana, that manifests itself in our behavior everywhere. True. Somehow or the other I must be right in front. True. Yet we have all failed in life sometime or the other more often than not. We've all failed. Absolutely. Well then for you, what have been some of your learnings? from some of your mistakes or maybe failures? Failure can be thought of as a comma, not a full stop. Okay. That's my biggest learning. Keep okay. going. Okay. I come back to the same point again. Yeah. Right. I think uh, as you said correctly, uh, whether it's your uh, own illustrious career or my much lower uh, budding career uh, or anybody else's for that matter, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a part and parcel. You just can't avoid it. It's, uh, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of context. And sadly so that uh, we are not prepared well enough for that, right? So if um, either the society or the environment around you modifies, uh, maybe some Western environments are slightly more uh, forgiving, some more um, accepting of failures as a notion, mm -hmm. right? Indian environments, uh, the way we have grown up uh, from a developing nation to a slightly more prosperous nation now and hopefully a developed nation mm -hmm. fully uh, over a period of time, I think we'll accept failures more, right? When the benchmark increases, um, right? So, so I think uh, one of the things that helped me, uh, at least, um, I know it's a bit of a modification yeah. to your question, yeah. uh, is that insulate yourself from external factors when they are not uh, as uh, as forgiving, mm -hmm. right? You have to insulate yourself in your own mind that okay, failures will happen, and let me not get influenced by what the world is is there to say, mm -hmm. right? Let me have more self belief. Mm -hmm. So. So that's it. Uh, yeah, learning is that treated as a comma, not as a full stop. Wonderful. That's really yeah. well said. 
and I'm sure I'm going to quote you <laughs> on treat uh, failure and comma and all of those stuff somewhere else. But Uday, thank you very much. Thank you so it's much. It's an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And I hope to see Coho in every single city of this country. Absolutely. And I hope to uh, create a good legacy and not just volume. I'm sure. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Simply search for The Brand Called You. Thank you and see you next week.